Now, the Apostle Paul, from a desperate situation, writes, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation, your gentleness, your gentle forbearance be made known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful or anxious or worried for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep or guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, or whatever things are honest or honorable, or whatever things are just, or whatever things are pure, or whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, think on these things. Or perhaps... Meditate on these things. That from Philippians chapter 4, beginning at verse number 4. Uh, next uh, Sunday evening, the Lord willing, will be involved in a uh, congregational singing with the Crosstown group and uh, the brethren from Broken Arrow. I hope we'll have a good crowd for that. I hope you'll be here and enjoy that time together of singing and praising God in song. Uh, that being the case, though, this is the last Sunday evening we'll have together like this until next year. And so I thought we'd take just a few moments this evening to discuss uh, what will make or break your year coming up. Now, I know we're all from different uh, stations of life. We have different backgrounds, different struggles we have. Uh, we are so disparate and uh, distinctive in our lives and lifestyles but uh, what I'm about to say next is true for every one of us, regardless who we are, or what we're doing, where we came from, or what our plans are. This applies to every one of us. Our year will be made or broken depending upon what goes on right up here. You might say, well, no, what I need to do this next week is I need, uh, next, next year I need to make some more money. Well, that might be true. I need to have a, a new car. Uh, mine's just uh, breaking down all the time. I need a new one. Uh, that, that might be true. I need to lose some weight. I've had a problem for some. I'm finally going to, this year I'm going to keep it off too. I'm going to do something about it. Well, that might be true. Doesn't matter what you're talking about though. If you haven't, take care, if haven't taken care of what goes on right here, nothing else really matters. And that's what Paul realizes as he writes to the Philippian brethren. He talks about things that everybody would want. Nobody would want a life free of joy. Nobody says, this time of year or any year, you know, I'm just too joyful. I wish I wasn't so happy. I'm, I'd be so much better off if I were miserable. No, everybody wants joy. It's how to get there, that's the question. And Paul talks about the situation where where we are free of anxiety and worry. And I, again, I haven't talked to anybody that says, you know what, I, I really, my resolution this year is I want to worry more than I did last year. I think I can do it. I'm going to buckle down and roll my sleeves up, put my nose to the worry grindstone, and I'm going to worry more this year than I've ever worried before. No, we don't talk like that. We do that, but we don't talk like that. All of us say, I'd like a life free of anxiety. 
And so we want to be joyful. We want to be free of anxiety and worry. And also, Paul talks about the peace of God. That's a wonderful Bible topic, peace. Uh, peace with God is the most important thing of all. A peace among brethren, so very vital to the growth of the Lord's church and us being the kind of people God wants us to be. But then also we have that peace of heart and mind and soul and spirit, that peace from within that, that gives us the will to be joyful and the choice to be anxiety-free. It's a peace that just exudes our very being. And again, I have yet to talk to a single person that says, you know, I, my problem in life is I just have a little too much peace. Things are just too peaceful for me. No. It's not a question of whether we want those things, joy and being free of anxiety and a heart of peace. It's how to get there. And uh, wouldn't you agree with me that if by this time next year, every one of us could say, you know what, I think I'm, I'm more joyful than I was last year. I've made some progress. If you could say... You know what? I don't think I worry as much as I used to. I used to be a worry wart, and now I'm more faith-driven and more faith-fueled and more faithful. I, I have replaced my worry with faith. And if we could say this time next year, you know what? Out of nowhere, I've got a peace within me that I never saw coming. I don't know how to explain it. it it's beyond my comprehension. It passes all understanding. This peace of God that keeps and guards my heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Every one of us would say, if that were true this time next year, this has been a good year. I don't care what house you live in, what car you drive, what your bank account looks like. If you can say, I've got more joy, more worry-free days, and more peace of heart. If you can say that this time next year. You've had a good year. And the wonderful news is all of that is not something that just happens to us that we have no control over. All of those things are things we can be better at, things we can do more of. We are told, might I say, commanded to rejoice. We are instructed, can I say, commanded to live a worry-free life. We're told, or can I even say commanded, to enjoy this peace of God that comes to us because of this lifestyle of thinking. Which brings us now to uh, the crux of the matter this evening, verse number 8. Now, you didn't come expecting a, 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 a challenge. You didn't. And I... I, I I don't like to be blindsided any more than you do. And so you have every reason to say, I didn't come to be challenged, and so I'm just going to get up and walk out. Please don't. Uh, I made a mistake years ago. Of, uh, uh, years ago, I was in my 20s. I was in liberal Kansas. I remember it as clear as day. And I was preaching on some subject, don't know what the subject was, and I said something that I never would say. Except I was 20 years old. What do you expect? And I, I made the comment. I said, if anybody doesn't agree with that, they can just get up and walk out right now. Well, I can't imagine myself saying that now. But 
you know, I was just 20 years old. And this dear sister with her baby that was crying didn't hear what I said, and at that very moment, she got up and walked out. Oh, the crowd thought that was the funniest thing they'd ever heard. And I haven't said anything quite like that since. And so please don't walk out. But I do have a challenge for you. The challenge is, work on verse 8. Just verse 8. Every day of this next year. Uh, now the first thing to do is, again, this is challenge number two. It's a, it's a sub-challenge. Uh, if you work on it, you need to know what's there. And so I'd encourage you just to, to put it to memory. And yes, there are some words there that take a little bit of time. And, and uh, a lot of us don't like to memorize. This one will be a good one, though, because this is your workload for the year. And so the first thing to do is uh, get, get comfortable with the language. Get comfortable with the verse. And so put verse 8 to memory. And having done that, then little by little by little, you can start working on that verse as it applies to your life as situations come up, as matters arise to the top of your mind and you make a decision, am I going to dwell on that or not? Is that worth my spending time thinking about, much less talking about? Is it worth my time? And you realize we're talking about something all of us do without even thinking about it, and that's thinking. You've thought some thoughts since you started this service, and you've thought some thoughts since this sermon started, and you've thought some thoughts about how, how long this sermon's going to go on, and you've thought some thoughts about how this sermon is going. I've thought some thoughts like that myself. We're all thinking all the time about a lot of different things. But we choose what to dwell on, what thoughts to attach ourselves to, what to meditate upon. And when Paul says here in the last of this eighth verse, think on these things, the actual word there in the original language has less to do with flits of thought through the mind and more with thoughts attached to by meditation, by focused attention. Meditate on these things. What do you dwell on? What really occupies your thinking? And a rule of life that God just has put into us, almost into our spiritual DNA, is that we, we tend to go towards those things we attach our thoughts to. You get better at what, you, what you're interested in. You learn more of what you have an interest in. Those things you think about, you, you become masters of over time, for good or for bad. You want to excel at something? Well, think about it. And keep thinking about it. Make it an obsession. And you'll find over time, you'll become better at it. Even something not worth being good at. Think on these things. These things in verse 8. You put your attention on these things. And everything starts to work out better. Almost, it seems, in a magical or mystical way. But it's not magical. It's not mystical. That's the way God made us. The way God created our environment, our lives. We create for our own lives the good or bad we seem to see by perspective. 
And so as you decide what to think about, you ask yourself, well, is it true? Now, this by itself will stop a lot of negative, bad, destructive thinking. Is it true? Well, so and did you hear what so and so said about so and so? And and boy, they really did so and so. Well, is it true? I don't know, but you know them. It could be. Oh, that's got me worried. That's got me thinking. That's got my mind erasing. I couldn't sleep last night thinking about so and so and so and so they may have done. Is it true? I don't know. Well, then stop thinking about it. If it's not true, if you can't know it's true, don't even go forward. We don't have the time to waste our time thinking about things that may not even be true. And that's also not just about people. It's true about your life. But all the problems that are going to come, going to come tomorrow, all the things that are going to fall apart in the weeks ahead, all those things are just going to come crashing down as we go forward. Are they? Well, they could. They might. <laughs> There's a possibility. You know the way my luck runs. It just might be that way. Is it true? Well, you don't know it is because it hasn't happened yet. I remember Jesus talking about that. About borrowing tomorrow's problems. Take no thought for tomorrow. Or in our vernacular, don't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know what a day may bring forth. Sufficient to the day is the evil, the problems therein. You've got enough to deal with right now without borrowing tomorrow's possible problems. You don't even know they're true. And it is true that many of those things we are consumed about in our worry, they never come to pass. How many times have you had something you've been just torn up about that might happen, and after it's over, you look back on it, and if you were honest to yourself, you'd say, you know what, that, 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 that worked out pretty well. Didn't see that coming, but it worked out pretty well. But how many times in those situations have we had a conversation with ourselves reminding us, let's not do that again. We've learned our lesson, hopefully, that we may not be a mind reader of others or a fortune teller of the future. Best to leave things that aren't true unthought about, unmeditated, uh, unfocused. Leave them out of your thought process. And so don't think about things that aren't true. Think about things that are. Well, things that are honest and just. For sake of time, we'll put these together. Things that are honorable and have to do with what's right, what is just, what is justice. Now, again, it's difficult to get past that first hurdle once you're there. Something can be true, and yet it cannot be honorable. It cannot be for the betterment of anybody. Before you start thinking about something, ask yourself, is this something that a Christian ought to be thinking about? Is it going to help my Christian life to continue thinking like this? Will it add to my joy, add to my anxiety-free day? Will it add to my peace uh, to dwell on this matter, even if it is true? Can I change it? Well, if I can, I should. If I can't, I stop thinking about it because I give it to the Lord in prayer. 
Is it honest? Is it honorable? Is it just? Or is it selfish? How many times we're torn up in our thoughts because, well, it's, it's true. They didn't treat me right. Uh, they weren't fair to me. I got the short end of that one. Nobody likes me. I'm always the brunt of the joke. I never get what to do to me. Me, 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 me. Well, that might be true. You might be in the situation I just described. What does it help to think that way except to make you more miserable, no joy, full of worry and anxiety and lacking the peace we're talking about? Maybe true, but it's not helpful in any way. And so move those thoughts out of the mind. Well, you move past what's true and what's honest and what's just, and then you look at what's pure, what's lovely. And again, for sake of time, we'll put in good report there as well. Things that are uplifting, upbuilding, and of a pure uh, attitude. And here I need to say something that's very vital. You can look at this from a negative standpoint, saying I should not think these kinds of thoughts. Things that aren't true, don't think about those. Things that are not honest and honorable, don't think about those. Uh, things that are not just, I don't think about those. But we shouldn't just not think about those things that we shouldn't think about. We should replace them with things that are true and are honest and are just and are pure, are lovely, and are of good report. We should choose and you say, I can't think of anything in this impure world that's pure to think about. Well, go look until you find it. Uh, there's nothing lovely in this ugly world I live in. Well, keep looking until you find it. Uh, I can't find anything to praise, nothing that's worthy of, of uh, a good report. Well, keep looking until you find it. And the wonderful part of the way God made you is this. You tend to find exactly what you're looking for. Be a good finder. Look for it. And just as you can see the bad if you're looking for it everywhere, if you keep your eyes open and your mind open and your heart open, you can see good in places you never knew it was. Uh, this world is a messed up place. You know that. And we tend to harp on that and talk about that and, and be uh, consumed on matters like that. Uh, the world is just a chaotic, messed up, a Christless, hopeless place. In the midst of all of that, though, there is still a world of purity and loveliness and goodness if we just look for it. It's there. And even if it weren't, if it's no place else, make sure you're the kind of person that when you look in the mirror, you can see it at least there. But like Elijah thought he was all alone, you're not either. There are others. There are many people that are striving their best to be pure, to live lovely lives, to have lives of good report. As we mentioned last Sunday evening, those of whom the world is not worthy, there are still folks like that. You think about events, people, 
circumstances that feed that kind of thinking. And then almost as if at the end of this list, he realizes he's talking to people maybe like you and like me who are kind of thick-headed. It takes a lot sometimes to get through my skull. If there's anything praiseworthy, if there's anything virtuous, if there's any left, well, first you find it, and then you meditate on it. And the key to this is we choose what we meditate on. You can change my behavior against my will if you're bigger than I am. But you can't change my mind. I don't care what you do against my will. And the same is true for you. We have control over our own thinking. That's what God gave us. And sometimes it's a problem. We, God doesn't even control your thinking against your will, against your choices. You have complete sovereign control of your mind, of your thinking. And so, if that's the case, live that way. I choose what I think. You choose what you dwell on. We all choose what we focus on and meditate on. And I promise you, I don't make many promises, but I'll make you this one. If... If you live this next year every day trying to focus your thinking on things true and honest and just and pure and lovely and of good report, things virtuous and praiseworthy, if you meditate on things like that, you'll be able to say after a short while, but surely after the year's gone, you know, I'm more joyful now. I don't know why, but I do. I'm less worry-ridden. I don't know why. Well, I do. I've got more peace than I ever had. I don't know why. <laughs> well, I do. And you should too. You've done what the Bible says do. You've changed your thinking. If you don't make any other changes in this next year, and I'm not talking just to you, I'm talking to myself as well. Any changes this next year, make sure the first one is this. I'm going to get my thinking right. I'll think on these things. Well, I appreciate your time and attention. I'm letting you go just a little early tonight as my gift to you for the Christmas season. If you're here and need to respond to the invitation, please do so as together we stand and sing.